When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about that? You should have been pulled in the forefront. They have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fit that they had faith in you. And it's time for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Blasso Baseball Podcast, episode 22. Today we have Mike Carter from rotofanatic.com. Check out rotofanatic.com for all the latest and greatest in the fantasy baseball world. Mike will join Christopher Deary and Michael Gobier to talk about post-ADP 200 bonus babies and those vultures that will be stealing saves from the closers this season. Take it away, boys! Guess what? It's time for the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It is a new episode, a new day. We're getting back to basics here on the old pod. We got a great crew today. We've got a very special guest. And as always, Christopher Deary is here with me. What's up, Chris? What's up, Mike? How are you? Oh, you know. Just hanging in there, hang, beating the heat. Beating the heat. That's right. I live on the second floor of an apartment building, and for some reason, the downstairs has central air, but we don't. I do not understand that. I never will. It's gonna. I'll think about this in like 50 years when I'm dying. I'll be like, why didn't this place have AC? It makes no sense. Dude, I. You should have just come over and gone to my basement. I'm down. I'm down here right now. It's freezing. <laughs> I actually. I went to the. Okay, well, let's introduce our guest. Hey, here is our guest. He's a very wonderful human being. He is from the Roto Fanatic. He's a writer. He does all kinds of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Mike Carter. Thank you for the introduction. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing okay. You know, we had a big storm pass through here last night. It's nice and cool today. Unlike you sitting in a non-AC second floor apartment, I'm on my front porch and it's about 65 degrees. Perfect fat guy weather. <laughs> yeah we just got the break in the weather it feels fantastic uh yesterday i was gonna go deary lives like a mile from me and i went to this uh march deary that march yesterday in washington yeah yeah uh, i went to it I, I went through it and on the way back i had to walk all the way home because i walked there and back and i was dying it was so hot yesterday and i was thinking about oh i should just go to deary's basement right now i should just go to deary's basement right now but uh somehow i made it home i thought i was gonna have a heat stroke but i'm here i'm alive <laughs> And we're doing a show. So it is the, hey, it's the Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and email us. Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's at ProtonMail.com. I love how so you do that, the two L's and the two Z's that way. That is really important. Spelling <laughs> is key. 
It is. When when we uh, changed the name to the stupid name we have, I made sure to focus <laughs> on the two L's and two Z's because it, it does matter. And it does. I want to give Enrico Palazzo the respect he deserves. <laughs> so today we're going to talk a little bit about baseball, of course. Today is the Major League Baseball draft. It's happening. We're recording right now, 6.15 Eastern time. It's happening in 45 minutes. The Tigers are on the clock. There's a lot of excitement here in Tiger Town. You can hear them. They're in the streets. They're pumped. They're so jacked. Um, but as far as uh, your background, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? People need to know who you are. Why don't you tell us something fun? Tell us something lame. Tell us anything you want to tell us. The floor is yours. Well, uh, my name's Mike Carter, again, as you said, and introduced me. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm born and raised on the south side of Chicago, so I'm a diehard White Sox fan. Um, mm. I lived there for the first 18 years of my life before I went to college at the incredible Indiana University and graduated from there, got married, and now live about 40 miles west of the city in a town called Batavia. Still a diehard White Sox fan, brainwashed both of my kids to become White Sox fans against their better judgment because the White Sox have stunk throughout the entire part of their lifetimes. Um, and I'm a special ed teacher by trade. I've been in, in teaching special education for 25 years. I'm an administrator and a teacher at a uh, therapeutic day school in the western suburbs here of Chicago. So I uh, recently kind of got into this fantasy baseball stuff that you guys have been doing online and on Twitter and social media. It's pretty fun. It's pretty, pretty exciting for me. I, I didn't have much of a chance to do any writing for a long period of time because my kids were so little and I was working on my master's degree. And so I kind of got away from it, even though I still, you know, really followed the game and everything. Um, now that my kids are a little bit older and I'm a little bit older and I, and I care a little bit less about work, maybe No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a little bit more time to be able to do this stuff. And so I'm really excited about being part of this. I'm really excited about getting to know you guys and kind of be part of this industry a little bit. Beautiful, man. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, we're really glad to have you on. I've been looking forward to getting to meet you in real life. This is as close to real life as we can get. It's more real than Twitter, but Mike's got, a, Mike's got a great uh, Twitter handle. You can check him out on Twitter if you're interested, and he will give you the deets on fantasy baseball. Uh, what else do you talk about, Mike? What other pleasures do you uh, have? Well, I'm a, a pretty avid reader because I'm at that age now where uh, old men read, and uh, <laughs> I also am really into uh, microbreweries and uh, having good beers. When you get to be my age, you can't drink a, a case of Miller Lite anymore. You can only have two or three. You better, better make them good ones, right? So uh, into that. And uh, I also coach my son's baseball team, which is uh, really a lot of fun and spend as much time as I can with my kids before they start hating me, which should, should be about <laughs> any, any day now, uh, considering that we've been together since March 13th. Uh, I think they're probably, the hatred is probably coming. <laughs> wow i bet yeah well you can follow mike at mdrc0508 at mdrc0508 deary what's been going on in your world man what have we missed what's the latest uh work 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 i'm uh so excited to be on the pod today because especially you uh you texted me last night and said hey we're gonna kind of reboot get back into talking fantasy after uh you know about a month of uh you know doing some other stuff so this is a great kind of break from uh, all this work I've been doing. Yeah, you work hard, dearie. You deserve a break. So how about we switch gears and get into leading off? Geez, I hope uh, I hope we can get some type of season. I know Manfred just came out uh, about an hour and a half ago and says, 100% we will have baseball this year. 
So uh, we'll see yeah, if he the, ends up trying to force them to play, and then there's some type of uh, grievance by the players, and they want to strike. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, we'll see. Interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, he, everybody knows that Manfred had that in his back pocket. He can execute what any season he wants if they don't come to an agreement, but they still have to get the approval of the players on that. Like they don't, the players don't have to participate. So it it could happen where there were theoretically replacement players or something. It could get nasty if it came to that, but you don't know that for sure. It is the worst relationship in all of pro sports, without a doubt, in my opinion. You know, NBA, NFL, NHL. Uh, MLS, I don't know the relationship. Is there even a union in MLS? I don't even know. But baseball is going to be back one way or another. I think we're all pretty confident. Does anyone disagree with that? No, I think that there's going to be a season. I've thought that since day one, honestly. I think this is a lot of posturing and uh, a lot of wrangling to try to get the best deal. I, I really don't begrudge the players at all in any of this. They're taking a lot of risk to be able to come back and play, in my opinion. Um, the owners have been making money off of this product for the last two decades, as far as I know. And the only, <laughs> the only team that lost money last year was the Marlins. Right. And so I feel like if you're going to, you know, if you kind of take that and extrapolate it to the society right now, everybody has taken some kind of a loss or financial hit in the last three or four months. Right. So mm-hmm. if I, if I'm a player, I say to the owners, you know, you can eat it for this year. Um, you lose a few million dollars, uh, you're a billionaire. You can probably stomach it and it'll be okay. Um, I, 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 don't, I really don't begrudge the players at all in this. Yeah, I don't think any of us do. I know me and Deary are on the same page as well. So in this situation, we do know there will be baseball. The latest offer is chaos. It's just the same old thing. The players were at 114 games. Now they're down to 89 games. Uh, there's been 76 tossed around. We have all kinds of numbers floating around. So who the hell knows what is going to happen? I just feel like we're getting close to that point. I think they did agree today on a start date, if it did happen, of July 10th. So that's good news, I suppose. But this is all the stuff that turned us off. This is the stuff, right, Deary, that we were talking about that made us not interested in this and why we lost some of our uh, motivation, if you will. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago when we recorded uh... – it was real doom and gloom, man. It was it was sad. It was like I was listening to some Cure dis- Disintegration album or something. <laughs> it was super. It was super sad. But uh, you know, they came out today talking about July 10th being being the start date. You know, if Manfred's 100% positive that that baseball is going to happen, Mike, you know, Mike talked about it being a lot of posturing. Um, the players want to play. These guys want to play more than anything. Uh, I think something happens here in the next week. Uh, I think something is going to have to happen the next week and someone's going to have to give and it's, it's, it's going to be the owners. I, I think the owners can make this money back pretty quickly, especially if you can expand the playoffs for a couple of years and, and, and bring in more of that money. We had talked about, about it a couple of weeks ago that, that that's the best way to get that money back. They're obviously not going to have fans in the seats and they're not going to get that gate, but uh, it, you know, that TV deal is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I was shocked when uh, MLB came out and said 48 games. Yeah. No, no one wants to play for and uh, fantasy for 48 games is just, is just absurd. So uh, um, I'm looking at about 80 games. I think 80 games is doable. I think 80 games I'd be comfortable with continuing, uh, you know, being in some money fantasy baseball leagues. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. So uh, I, I think we get something going here in the next week. Yeah, Chris, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I think 
when you're talking about the posturing, that's one thing. But I think the other thing that's really important to think about too is when was the last time the, the players' union lost a battle with owners? I'll hang up right. and listen, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just not in MLB, it's never happened. And so you're absolutely right in saying that the owners are going to be the ones that have to give. That's true. I tend to agree with both of you. You guys know what you're talking about. You're smarter than me. And we are not as smart as you. So if you have a question for us, please send us a shot. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's. Also on Twitter, we'll take your uh, suggestions. We did have one question that we will get to later in the show that came from a tweeter. So we'll throw that out to Mike and Deary and see what they think of it. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm wondering, by the way, oh, I want to remind people, you can also check out rotofanatic.com. That's where Mike can be found. You got anything in the hopper, Mike, that you want to talk about, or is it a secret right now? Well, no, I'm, I'm actually working on a piece that should come out, I'm hoping, next week on um, some relief pitchers that have value in this strange market that we're going to be facing and not your prototypical closers, but some guys that are still going to have some value um, regardless of what their role is within that said bullpen. And so I'm working on that right now. I got to put the finishing touches on it over the weekend. I'm going to beg my wife to take my children away for three or four hours so (laughs) I can do that and give it the proper attention it deserves. But that's what I've got coming next week. Beautiful. Well, we'll look forward to that. Check out rotofanatic.com. A lot of good people on there. Matt Williams from Turn 2 Podcast. All kinds of writers, including Mike. A fantastic plethora of talented folks. I love that word. Plethora. Plethora is a great word. It's a, ver- it's a veritable cornucopia of talent at Rotofanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good, Mike. How about the MLB draft, guys? So let's talk about it real quick. I am not the draft expert. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know all the details. I've seen these guys play. That would be a lie. And I don't like when people try to maximize or exaggerate their knowledge of college baseball or high school baseball. So don't come at me with that. However, we are in Detroit area here, and we are have we're excited. We got the first pick. You know, Mr. Torkelson has been the clear choice. There's been some people trying to mix in, hey, maybe go a different route. There was even a time when um, Emerson Hancock back, this was a few months ago, this was several months ago, but people were saying, will they take Torkelson or Emerson Hancock from Georgia? Nobody knows for sure. So now we stand on the draft day in 35 minutes. Deary, what do you think? Any comments on the draft, on the Tigers' position? Can they screw this up? (laughs) Well, yeah, they can screw it up because they're the Tigers. Um, I mean, it, it seems like it's leaked out that Torkelson's going to be the guy that they should be able to find a deal pretty quick with him. Uh, you know, Mike and I talked about it before we recorded today that, you know, Tigers got some deep pitching in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, they took uh, Casey Mize a couple of years ago. Tarek Skubal came out of nowhere last year. Really big, really good big lefty. Matt Manning may be the best of that bunch. And they took Riley Green last year who did really, really good in rookie ball. So, they need that next centerpiece. Obviously, Miguel Cabrera is pretty much out the door now. I think he's got two, maybe three years left on that contract. I think he's probably two years left, and then he's done. He'll get to 500 home runs, get his 3,000 hits, and then and then be out. And Torkelson looks like he's the real deal. The guy's got some power, uh, hit for average as well. Uh, he's not going to give you much on the base pass, but this guy looks like a professional hitter. And, you know, you could be seeing him and Riley Green up in the majors in the next couple of years, especially with the Tigers looking to find that that next young great talent that that fans are going 
going to hop on board with. So who's your tiger? Is it going to be Spencer Torkelson? Uh, I know they've talked about Martin a little bit. He's got some speed, uh, you know, all around hitter, but uh, I think Torkelson's the guy, especially because he can play first base and, uh, you know, he can be your first baseman uh, at Comerica in the next two, three years. Any disagreements with that, Mike? No, I think Torkelson's the guy, honestly. I mean, um, you know, there is some history of first baseman going with the first pick and not panning out just to, you know, calm your enthusiasm a little bit. I mean, uh, Adrian Gonzalez was the number one pick overall. He was pretty good. Um, going back to the 70s, Danny Goodwin, not so good. Um, oh. But, you know, you know, last year the White Sox took Andrew Vaughn, kind of similar profile, right, guy that can really hit in college. He's, he's coming pretty quickly, I think, too. I think Torkelson is a lot like that, too. And he's also really young. He just turned 20, you know. So I think, I think that's a guy that you can really kind of build that lineup around. And looking at the Tigers, um, they really need some athletic type of guys that can hit. They've got the pitching coming, like Chris said. Um, they, need some, they need some hitters. Um, they're, they're pretty lacking in that department. I, I saw a really good comp that I liked. And, uh, Mike, you'd like this being a Southsider down there. Uh, a nice comp of Paul Canerco. I'd take Paul Canerco oh, any day. Especially in 2005 when he's hitting grand slams against the Astros to win the World Series. <laughs> That's right. I knew you were going to go there right away. That was initially <laughs> – I knew it. And I don't even know you that well. Wow. Uh, I, White Sox I, I, fans I, are so obvious. I know. Well, we're also pitiful. So I, I made my son watch um, – the game two replay with me a couple of weeks ago, and he started to lose interest. And I said, actually, this is the part you really got to watch. You know, Canerico never swung at the first pitch. I turned to my buddy when we were watching it in 2005. I said, man, if he ever swings at a first pitch, this would be the time, wouldn't it? Probably going to get a fastball. He had every stitch of that thing. Yep, that's true. Very few great moments for White Sox fans, guys. The Tigers even beat us in that one, honestly. Well, yeah, I You've mean, the Tigers better are moments. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, the Tigers – both the Tigers and the White Sox have won world, one World Series apiece in our lifetime, so we have that. But then after that, it's a series of uh, close encounters with the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we did go to a couple World Series. That was fun, but it's been, it's been tough. And the White Sox, at once upon a time, were probably our biggest rival. Maybe, I don't know, dear, you agree with that? I mean, back when they had um, that team in the 2000s and we were coming up, the White Sox were an annoying team. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was like a big the, rivalry. Yeah, it was the Canerco and Jermaine Dye days, Burley on the mound. Uh, yeah, I'd say they were the biggest competitor. The Indians hadn't really figured it out yet. Uh, the Royals, you know, they were still young, and those guys hadn't hadn't taken care of business yet, being really good. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say that was kind of the Tigers' rival, uh, you know, for that good 10 years there. They also had the, one of the best brawls in baseball history when Jeff Weaver was pitching, and they had that – it was in, like, 2000. It was a classic. If you haven't seen this one, YouTube, Jeff Weaver, Tigers, White Sox brawl around the year 2000. It's a really good one. Worth the, worth the price of admission. <laughs> so as far as the draft, if you look back at 2018, the Tigers took Casey Mize. That was the last time they had the number one pick out of Auburn. He was a college pitcher. Uh, Joey Bart went to the Giants. He's a highly touted catcher. Maybe not as highly touted as Adley Rushman, which is interesting because Rushman and Bart are really the top catcher prospects that are about to break out, and we'll see which one's better. Obviously, Rushman's supposed to be the better player. Uh, also, Alec Bohm, Nick Madrigal, Jonathan India. Haven't heard a lot about him for the uh, Reds lately. There are some names going back two years that still really – none of these guys have technically been in the major leagues, I don't think, right? I don't think they have. No, I don't think so. So, and obviously it's only been two years ago, but I'm just saying MLB draft doesn't give you instant returns. And if you know baseball, you know that. Just remember that. 
Mm-hmm. Just consider MLB drafts fun because we have no other sports going on. So it's getting way more focused than it's ever got in its entire existence. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I think it's helped a lot. I think that, you know, going back, I mean, even when we were kids in the eighties and nineties, there was just a lot of bust in the first round. I think scouting has really advanced a lot over these last, you know, you know, maybe seven to 10 years. And there's, there's a lot more hits than misses these days in, in the first round, I would say. That is beautiful. I agree. And do you think scouting's improved, uh, Mike, or do you think it's just more focused and kind of detail-oriented, but still it's the same? I think it's really improved. I mean, I think if you go back 40 or 50 years ago and even further than that, you know, you had guys passing the eye test and what they could do. And um, I don't know that I would want to um, have to be subjected to any kind of eye test in any level of my life. But I think uh, guys back then would say, oh, I have a gut or I, have, I can see how this would be. But there were still a lot of misses back in the day when you go back, even some of the great players of all time. I think it's better now. I think there's more data. I think there's more people looking at guys. Um, there's definitely more footage to be able to look at what these guys are doing. And there's much more of a scouting presence, I think, than there was probably 50 years ago. Um, you know, even when I was in high school, I remember scouts coming to games, not, not to see me. <laughs> but to see, to see other people that were playing and, um, you know, the, the, the mythology of it is really true, right? You know, the guy with the bad tie, the guy with the speed gun, the jugs gun sitting behind the muttering to himself, chain smoking, you know, like that's <laughs> yep. the guy, that's the guy in the eighties and nineties when I was a kid growing up that was doing the scouting. I think it's much more advanced now for better or for worse. I don't know, but I think it's, I think there's a lot more to it now than there was, you know, 50 years ago. It also led to a terrible Clint Eastwood movie, uh, Trouble with the Curve. That movie sucks. Sorry, oh it God. blows. It Not a fan. Absolutely horrible. It, it's, yeah. It, you think, oh, it'd be fun. Like, it's, it incorporates baseball. It's ridiculously unrealistic. They just find this guy who's throwing murder heat, and he's throwing a killer breaking ball. I mean, that could happen. I don't know. It was just, they tried to encapsulate scouting in an hour and a half, and you really can't do that, folks. No, it, well, was, it, was, pretty, it was pretty poorly done, I would say. No, I would not say that. I would not say that the Clint Eastwood space, though. He probably still knocked me out at ninety. But I, uh, is it better than uh, what was that movie, The Scout? Oh, that's oh yeah, Steve Nebraska. Oh, that's, there you that, go. Was it better than that? Brandon, that Brandon Fraser worse. and Albert Brooks. I love that movie because maybe it's a nostalgic thing, but I watched that movie uh, many, many times in the nineties. Steve Nebraska was totally ridiculous. He could. He's Hilarious. the Shohei Otani on steroids, though. Like he starts his first game ever. Can you imagine a guy's first ever start would be in a World Series? It just first of all, it wouldn't happen. You'd have to be on the roster prior. So that oh, let's not even go into that. Okay. I'm sorry, about It is a very controversial movie, though. It's a good, it's a good call, Deary. That's funny. But also that your scouting chatter here reminds me of the name growing up in the '90s, Todd Van Poppel. That was the guy oh, yeah. who was the bust of bust. There was so much hype. He had that fun name. It's such a great baseball name, Todd Van Poppel. You think this guy's going to be good for the Oakland A's and it never happens. Yeah. He, he ended up having a little bit of value down the road as a reliever. Um, and at least carved out a little bit of a niche for himself. But I always think of like Brian Taylor, you know, from the Yankees who never made it, you know, uh, at least Van Poppel got there at some point and helped a little bit. And not, not exactly what anybody thought he was going to be, obviously. Oh, from the Tigers' perspective, remember Matt Anderson, Deary? He was very highly touted as well, and that was a bust. That yeah, guy he was throw some gas. Fireballer, fireballer who ended up being a closer. 
And uh, what did you do, throw his arm out throwing a tire or something like that? He was in like a tire tossing contest. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. It's no Joe Zamaya busting up his arm playing guitar here or whatever the hell happened with that one. I digress. <laughs> I digress. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show and talk about post 280p opportunities. Players mm-hmm. you can find after. 200 and below or above, depending how you look at it. We're looking for guys that are value picks there. They're maybe trending upwards or still after all of the analysis from all of the pods and all of the websites that look at fantasy baseball, maybe we still miss something. So we're going to talk about a few guys. If you have any suggestions, please hit us up. Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's at ProtonMail.com. Also on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast. You can also follow each of us individually if you so choose. They're all there and available so we got to start with our main man mike carter mike give us somebody who is just oozing seething value and opportunity post 200 well i love the, i love this guy and i won't apologize for it i'm sorry i'm just not going to uh my first one that i really like is sandy alcantara from the marlins oh and, and i'll tell you why he's like the hundredth pitcher taken off the board in just about every draft that i've been in and there's no way to be down that low um his adp is almost 300 right now i'm all in um his uh the thing that i really like about him that he changed his repertoire last summer and late in the summer he started throwing this power sinker and i'm not really i don't know about you guys but i'm not a fan of guys who throw sinkers anymore but this is a really heavy one he throws at 95 96 wait wait, wait. can we talk about that real quick Why, why do you say that i'm curious well i think the sink, sinkers are usually thrown a little with a little bit less velocity and um, power sinkers, ones that are thrown a little bit harder, I think have a tendency to baffle the batter a little bit more than the ones that are a little bit slower. Um, a 95 to 96 mile an hour sinker looks like something a little bit different coming out of a guy's hand. And he had really good results with it in the summertime. He had a 2.78 ERA in August, September. I know ERA is not the be all and end all, but he had really good results with what he did. And he's got a really good changeup. And I think if he can kind of differentiate between the sinker and the changeup a little bit more uh, and get a little bit better command, I think this guy could really explode this year. Um, I I mentioned it in one of my pieces a couple of months back where I thought, you know, this is a guy in an NL only league that could be a top 15 or 20 starting pitcher if he puts it together. That's how, that's how good he was at the end of the year last year. And so he costs you nothing. Um, You know, you might take him as your fifth or sixth pitcher off the board as a starting pitcher, and he might return some really good value for you. Wow. I mean, you just hit me at the core. You hit me in my core right now, Mike. Deary, any commentary on Alcantara? Are you a fan? Well, that's, that's your guy, Mike. We talked about him when we did our first <laughs> starting pitchers, but uh, I think Carter's right over here. He, he has a chance to be a real top-level guy, uh, and you know, switching up some of the, some of the stuff in his, in his uh, repertoire could really help him this year. I think he's on an on an up and coming team. I think he has a really good shot to be sneaky. And Mike said it. You're getting him way down in the three hundreds of the draft. I think it's a real, real sneaky move for a guy that could pay off big time. I gotta tell the story. I mean, last day of the season, last year, fantasy. <laughs> I'm in my championship round. It's a head-to-head league, and I'm winning, but the guy's creeping up on a couple of pitching categories. I think whip wins. Unfortunately, wins are still a cat. Yeah, we all know it. Nobody talks about wins, but they are still a part of fantasy, especially Roto. But 
I needed a start. So I picked up Sandy Alcantara on September 9th, 2019. Not only does he pitch well, he pitches a complete game, unheard of, a Uh-oh. shutout, a shutout even, throws nine strikeouts. He dominates the Kansas City Royals, and I win my league. And I'll never forget it. It's one of those fantasy stories that you just – we all have that moment or that guy who made a difference when you least expected it. I actually – I think I drafted Alcantara and then I dropped him because I've always been kind of high on him. He was highly regarded with the Cardinals and I, he also pitched 197 innings last year. That that shouldn't be understated. That's a, that's tremendous value. Somebody who pitches close to 200 innings these days is a rare commodity. And one of the things that people don't like about him is his K rate is really low. But mm. I think if he inc- increases that command and he knows how to use that sinker, that could that could go up a little bit. And quite honestly, if you look at the K rate per nine, it's going down across the major leagues, right? So, I mean, if he's, if he's seven per, per nine, which he was last year or thereabouts, and he bumps up to eight, eight and a half, that wouldn't be unheard of if he's able to, you know, work on the command and really control that sinker. You might have a real sneaky guy there. And quite honestly, Mike, you need to take him just for what he did for you last year. You have to, <laughs> you have to, you have to roster him now. Yeah, it'd be bad karma for those of you who mm-hmm. are into that. Right, I agree. Um, he also, now that you talk about the hard sinker, that reminds me of like Garrett Richards when he was in his healthy and he was really pitching well. I think he threw a really hard sinker that was really tough to hit. It was one of his better pitches when mixed in with his slider too. So he, he did have that power sinker, and he was also in spring training before they shut down. He was throwing ninety eight again. Ooh boy, maybe sneaky guy if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deary, how about you? You got anybody on your list? Who are you thinking about? Yeah, there's a whole gaggle of guys I've been looking at. Um, there's a few guys that I'd be embarrassed to bring up, but I, I, I may bring up when they head back to me. Uh, the guy I'm going to bring up, uh, he moved over to the Indians this year after being with the Phillies for a while. Cesar Hernandez. Uh, you're getting him pretty low, around 280, 300. He's a guy who could probably slot in at a couple positions, maybe third base and second base. Mm-hmm. What I like about him is he he's going to be able to steal a couple bags for He's been extremely consistent for the Phillies. He's going to bat in a real, real nice order. He might end up batting near the top of the lineup for uh, for the Indians. And if not, he's still going to have some chances to get some RBIs later. Um, last year, really good season. Uh, you know, 91 runs for the Phillies, six, 60 ribbies, 19 stolen bases. Projections, you know, are going to be a little lower for stolen bases. But he's a guy, if he can get on base and, and move around, he's going to be a, a guy that you could slot in if you have, if you have some injuries. You're not taking a ton of a risk on him. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to go out, go and, and blow you out of the water or be terrible for you. But I think he's a guy who can be consistent, got a little bit of pop, could be able to put, you know, 15 to 17 home runs up. And if th- these projections are, are right where he can get 75, you know, runs, possibly 65 RBIs, I think it's pretty solid for him. Uh, obviously, he's what he needs to change, he didn't do very well last year. So he didn't walk a ton. Uh, 16, 17, and 18 with the Phillies had a, had a pretty good walk rate over 10. Um, last year, he, he, he uh, kind of leveled out on the, the K percentage, was, was striking out a lot less, uh, and wasn't walking as much. I, th- I think those walks are going to dip up a little bit, and I think his slugging is going to be over 400. So I think he's a, a guy who could be pretty serviceable for your team. Why do fantasy players hate this guy? <laughs> he's, always, he's always a consistently good piece to have on your team. I totally agree with Chris. He's a he, – He's a, he provides value uh, in, in ways and in, he, he, in volume of at-bats, right? I mean, he plays every day. He's going to bat near the top of that lineup, if not at the top of that lineup in Cleveland. 
Frankie Lindor, Ramirez behind him. I mean, the potential to score some runs and, and, and knock in a few steals is at the bottom of the draft, you could do a heck of a lot worse. I think everybody will own Cesar Hernandez at some point in the season. They always do. He's always on the wire. You folks that are listening right now, if you're hearing our voices, you know you've owned him. You'll probably own him at some point. He is underrated, but he's also kind of – his floor isn't awful, so he gives you a decent floor, and I think that's the value there. Good call, Deary. Uh, Mr. Carr, let's go back to you. Who else do you got in that bag of tricks? Well, here's a guy that I love, and I'm not going to – again, I'm not going to apologize for him either. Um, Luis Urias uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, oh. I really like the trade that the Padres and the Brewers made for both sides in the wintertime. And I really like it for this guy. His only competition really is Orlando Arcia, who is a good glove guy, but can't really hit. Uh, the one thing that Urias has done everywhere he's gone has hit. Um, he got sent back down in the middle of the summer last year because he was struggling to make contact. He made a swing adjustment where he was for reasons I don't fully understand decided that he needed to lift his front leg like a power hitter and started trying to jack everything, and that really hurt him. Um, if this guy goes back to what he was doing before, which is what they, they're saying in spring training, that's what his plan was, um, this guy's going to chat to play shortstop opposite Keskin Hira uh, playing second base. they got a really nice potential double play combination there. He's not real good with the glove, but this guy can hit. I, I think if they leave him alone and let him play and give him four or 500 at-bats, this guy turns out some really good value. He hit 300 last year in late August and September, very quietly coming back up with the Padres. And a lot of people who are in the know had him at the end of the year last year on championship rosters. He provided some really good sneaky value in August and September September for people. Um, I, I think he's a really good player potentially down the road. This is a guy who was probably the Padres, you know, number one prospect for the last two or three years and never really kind of got a chance when he came up. And so um, he's obviously going to be what was going to be stuck behind Tatis there in, in San Diego. Um, and they've got it. God only knows what San Diego is doing, right? I mean, they just continue to <laughs> collect outfielders and stray parts and whatnot. So uh, I think he's got a chance in Milwaukee to be a pretty good player. Hmm. I love this guy. I'm very, very pleased that you brought him up because I think the value is extreme. I love him in Miller Park. I think that's a real bonus for him. He's completely healthy the wrist issue is no longer a factor everything that you said mike is true people who know what they're talking about know and especially with second base you know the depth isn't great so i think my strategy has generally been to wait because i think mm -hmm. even though people don't see the high end of it being great i i think the depth is greater even though others would disagree no, I totally agree with you, Mike. I think, you know, I, I, in my drafts, I've been waiting on second base too, and I've been getting a lot of people laugh at me for taking the Urias and maybe Garrett Hampson combination uh, or uh, Urias and Colton Wong. I mean, yeah. I feel like those guys together are, are a nice pairing, in my mind anyway, um, and he costs you nothing. Again, this guy's an ADP is over 300, almost to 350 last time I checked. Um, he's a, a dollar dart throw the way that I figure – I like it. Uh, Deary, let's go back to you. Who else do you got? Yeah, I got a whole list of guys here. I'm going to go with a, a former number one pick here back in 15 of the Diamondbacks, not with the Braves. I like Dansby Swanson. Yes. Mm. Dansby Swanson had a really, really solid year last year. Not a great first half, but he started to get it together. This is a really, really solid Braves team that I like. 
What I like about Dansby, similar to Hernandez, is the guy's going to play every day. He's going to be able to drive in runs, score some runs, have a little bit of pop. I'm, I'm looking at 20 to 25 home runs this year, and he's going to be able to steal some bases. I mean, double-digit stolen bases out of a shortstop is really, really nice. Uh, what I also like about him is he can hit to all parts of the field. I think he's a guy who was, you know, a very highly touted prospect. They maybe rushed him a little bit when he got to Atlanta. Um, you know, his, his first couple of years were real rough, uh, especially with the Ks. He was striking out a ton, but it's been consistent. His, his K rate of, of 20 to 23% has been consistent, but his walk rate has been consistent as well. So if he can get that walk rate up to about 10%, um, Babbitt's always been right, right on average there. Uh, he's not going to give you a ton of average. You know, pr- most projections have him about 260, but he's going to be hitting with guys on base. This is a really, really solid lineup in Atlanta. And I think Swanson's a guy who really could end up being a top 100 player if it all comes back together. I love him. I think I think where he's getting drafted is obscene. Actually, I mean, uh, wow. I, I think I think he he is a guy that can really give give you some value. And I agree with everything that Chris said. Quite honestly, about where he he kind of slots in that lineup is going to be key. I mean, I. I'd, I'd really like to see him move up in the lineup a little bit more, but I think this is a guy that's double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, uh, hopefully. Um, and he's, he just turned 26. I mean, he's a young guy. Um, he definitely was rushed to the majors to kind of prove that that trade was the, was the right trade to make for that team. And What a uh, bad trade that was. What a legendarily terrible <laughs> trade that was, by the way. Yeah, it was really rough. Um, but I think I think this is a guy that you know he's going into his age twenty six season, just turned twenty six, like I think in February or March. And uh, young guy, uh, good team, good lineup around him, a little bit more maturation, you know, lay off some of that stuff, cut off some of the strikeouts a little bit. You got yourself a real solid guy, you know. I mean, people really kind of fall over themselves trying to get a shortstop early, but this is a guy that might be able to give you some really good value down at the end. Deary's kind of a genius. <laughs> He is. Deary knows a lot of stuff. I am not a genius. I am just a regular man trying to make my way in this world. But one thing I do know is that Dansby Swanson increased his hard hit rate last year by 7% from 2018. You got to like that. 41%. And then his barrel rate's 10%. Not bad. Uh, Exit velos, decent, 89. And his launch angle has also gone up every year. Hmm. So it's interesting if he keeps growing, which is something I think as fantasy players, we seem to miss sometimes. We, we just see names, we see stats and we see a, an object, but these are human beings and they grow and they learn and they adjust, you know, Tim Anderson made huge adjustments last year and he ended up winning a batting title. So these are just examples of be patient and keep your eye out because a guy like Swanson, Deary's right. It could be on the verge of something big. It's like I always tell my students, you know, growth is never linear. It's not. Yeah, yeah. We would would like it to be linear, but it isn't. Just simply it's not. Thank you. You would have been a – I wish you would have been my principal when I was a high school teacher, man, because you would have been – I used to tell my students that you don't need to go to college right away. You don't have to follow a plan right away. Everybody has a different path, you know, and the principals, they didn't like that. The admins were like, no, 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 you can't say that. What do you mean? What do you mean I can't say that? What is – that's what's going on in this world. That's the truth, actually. It is the truth. It's the hard truth. And that's what you get here on the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo baseball podcast, the cold, hard truth. Let's spin it back over to Mr. Carter. Who you got next? Well, 
Um, I really, really like this guy too. And uh, another guy that people don't like for whatever reason. Uh-oh. I like Kyle Gibson. Ooh. And I, uh, I always try to sneak him in at the end of, of drafts. And uh, sometimes I get him and sometimes I don't. But, you know, his ERA last year was awful. 4.84. Um, you know, people look at that and say, oh, God, you can't use that. You were talking about wins before, Mike. In the last three years, he's won 12, 10, and 13. Now, that's pretty, pretty good consistency there for a guy with what we would consider to be middling stuff. Um, last year, he had a really good first half, and I bet a lot of people don't understand what happened to him in the second half, which is why he sort of struggled. He was battling uh, ulcerative uh, colitis, and he tried to fight through it. He tried to keep pitching, and he wasn't having real good results. He was really sick, and the results were not real good for him. But if you look at some of the underlying stuff, he had 160 strikeouts and 160 innings. His XFIP was 3.80. You know, I, I think that there's some, some things there that point to with health that this guy might be better. And I like pitching in Texas all of a sudden. That stadium <laughs> looks like it's going to play to be a pitcher's park. Um, he had a swinging strike rate last year with a slider of 27%. I mean, that's that's pretty good stuff. I mean, for a guy that you're looking at and you think, oh, God, I don't really want Kyle Gibson on my team. He's just so mediocre. Uh, this guy very quietly has improved his strikeout rate each of the last three years. Um, if he throws more strikes, and I think that he might in that park there, lay off that four-seamer, which is the one that gives him real trouble. I think he's got some real sneaky value. I mean, he, uh, I've seen him in some of the drafts that I've been in be somewhere between 60 and 75 pitcher off the board. So, you know, he's, he's below 280p in a lot of the places that I've been playing. And, and, I, and I'll take him with Sandy Alcantara, thank you very much, at the end of my drafts. Uh, and I'll be fine. Wow. I, we are on like a similar page here because you keep hitting on guys that I really like and have excellent value. Kyle Gibson often in 12 team standard leagues seems to go undrafted. And I don't understand that because the tools are there. And now that you were explained this ulcerative colitis, that's, I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know that. That is huge news. And that is not something to scoff at. So no, he dropped a ton of weight. His energy was way down. He was really sick. And to his credit, he tried to fight through that, you know. Um, and, and honestly, if you take a step further back at it, look at from Texas's point of view, Texas did some pretty good free agent signings, didn't they? Lance Lynn, um, they, they got um, oh, Lyles, they signed as well. These guys mm-hmm. that seemingly have some pedigree and I think will probably pitch pretty well down there. Um, Joey Gallo had mentioned about how the park was really playing as a pitcher's park. He was actually – Lamenting I saw that. that while he was taking batting practice and saying, man, that ball would have been out last year. That ball would have been out. And uh, I think he's got some real sneaky value there, especially if he's their three or four starter and going up against other three or four starters. Um, he, he might give you some value. Hmm. Yeah. Kyle Gibson and the new globe life park will be a very interesting tale. The Kluber, everybody who's new on that squad, there's a lot of changes and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Mr. Deary, who's next? Yeah, I'm going to go with pitchers next as well. Uh, I'm going to go with six foot five righty Joe Musgrove from Pittsburgh. Ah. Uh, so Musgrove right on the cusp here of you know being right over 200. Uh, he's a guy who moved over to the Pirates, coming from the Astros. Had a pretty solid season last year. What I like about Musgrove is he doesn't walk a ton of guys. He's got a really, really nice, devastating slider and curveball combo. 
to go along with, you know, a 92% uh, or 92 mile per hour fastball. Uh, I think he's a real nice up and comer. Had 30, 31 games started last year, 170 innings. So, you know, he can go the long haul. And if we're talking 80 game season here, I think he's a guy who could do really, really well here for Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I, I just like him. I talked about him, you know, several months ago as him and, uh, you know, another guy that I'll mention too right now is uh, Anthony DiSclefani over mm-hmm. in uh, Cincinnati. He's another guy I, I really, really like. Two guys that don't walk a ton of guys. You know, ground ball, fly balls are going to be no problem to get guys out. And uh, they're two, two up-and-comers that I think are, are, are right on the cusp. You know, these guys are, you know, fourth, fifth, fifth year in the league you know, late 20s, it, 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 it could be their time right now to, to, to shine. And I think uh, Musgrove or DiSclefani are two guys that could really end up being a really nice number number three starters. I, I think if I could add on to what you're saying, Chris, what I, I totally agree with you, by the way, again. I, we, I think we've agreed on everything so far. I'm, I'm going to bring up a guy that everyone hates but I, but I will tell, I'll tell you this. I think one of the things you got to really think about is in a shortened season, which we were talking about earlier, you got to really draft guys that you know what they're going to be able to do. And people want to do the sexy pick and take, oh, I'm going to take Jesus Lizardo or, hey, you know, I really want to take A.J. Pook, you know, Puck or whatever the hell his last name is. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but in, the, in this type of season that we're going to have, aren't you much better off in some ways going with guys like that that you've seen? You know, Musgrove has had some success. He's going to probably be a pretty good pitcher. Gibson has had some success. I'm going to go with what I know as opposed to what I don't know, you know, and I think that's a real issue. I think for fantasy owners, if you're talking about a, a 60 game season or an 80 game season, you can't afford to, you know, drop uh, a terrible start with a young rookie pitcher who just doesn't have it that day. He gives up 10 runs in one game. You're, you might be out of the running already, you know, I mean, seriously, it's a, especially in a, in a weekly league, you know, you fall behind in there, you're done. Yeah, to, to your point, Mike, uh, that's an excellent point by you. But, you know, you brought up Puck and Lissardo. These are these are young guys, and when they get into trouble in, in games, let's say they're in the second, third inning, already giving up a couple runs, and you got the bases loaded, every game is going to be so important. So he could get the get the hook real quick. A guy like a Joe Musgrove, who's been in the league for a few years, had a lot of starts, seen a lot of these major league hitters, uh, you know, I think he's going to be able to kind of stick it out and, and grind through that, that, that tough start. Uh, so that, that's an excellent point with that shortened season. So many things are going to be different. And I think you want to go after those guys that may be consistent, maybe don't have the as good of stuff or talent coming up as, as, as some of these younger, uh, you know, guys. But uh, I would go with someone who's consistent and more reliable. Yeah. Wow. Those are excellent choices. Musgrove gave me a couple of great starts. I remember in midsummer, July-ish, at a seven-inning jam. He shows promise. He has capability. There was a reason they traded for him, but is it time? Will it be now? We'll find out. And Di Scafani's the same thing. He's a guy on a loaded squad, and the Reds are expected to do a lot. Mr. Carter, let's go back to you. Let's do, uh, let's do one or two more here before we close this out. Okay. Well, I'm going to go to one of your guys, a Detroit guy. Uh, and I know you guys have, you guys have talked about him before, but I, I love Spencer Turnbull too. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously people look at him and say, Oh my God, Mike, the guy was three and 17 last year. What do you see here? What's the, what's the thing? Well, he's 28. They don't have anybody else really. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's, so he's, so he's going to pitch. 
And um, I think that that's a real big thing. But this guy's really got a good fastball and a really good slider. And in the first half of last year, before he tired out, he had a 331 ERA. I mean, that's way above average, considering what we're seeing from a lot of other scrub-type pitchers that we're seeing. And so uh, he averaged almost a strikeout per inning last year, all told anyway, even with his 3-17 and record. So he's got no competition. Uh, again, I think a, a late pick could yield you some nice profit. Obviously, he's probably not going to win a lot. You know, um, uh, I don't I don't see him winning, you know, uh, 12 or 13 games, but he might win you nine or 10, give you some strikeouts at the back end of a, of a draft as well. Yeah, I love Turnbull. I'm huge on Turnbull. I've drafted him in almost everything. Uh, GGFBI, which is obviously it's Roto, 15 team leagues. Uh, that's someone who gives you value later. Uh, 12 team leagues, people might question that. Uh, do we draft Turnbull in like a standard 12 team league? That's, that's a really good question. I, I have, and I, I think it's just because I feel like he's got a year under his belt. He's going to get the innings pitched. I think he's going to, the strikeout rate is going to be pretty good. Uh, again, if you draft him at the end of the, and he doesn't do well the first couple of weeks, you just cut him and be done and move on. But I think he's got some interesting upside there. Plus he's a, he's an Indiana guy, you know, he grew up in the Laporte area and he's and oh. he knows some people around that area too. So I'm pulling for him. I hope he does well. I love Spencer Turnbull. I think the value is great. I think he's another guy who's growing. I don't care about the win-loss record at all. Neither should you. That slider is fantastic. It's a really good pitch. Uh, he's going to be focused. He's also going to follow along on the Matt Boyd plan. Matt Boyd has gotten in better shape over the last couple of years. He's taken the job he has really as a leader of the staff more seriously. And I know, based on being local here in Detroit, ooh, I'm – it makes it sound like I'm really in the know. Like I go to Comerica every day and I talk to these guys. I don't do that. But <laughs> based on what I read locally, uh, Turnbull has followed Boyd's plan to a T and he's taken his fitness and his game to another level. And hopefully that'll pay off when the season happens. What about you, Derry? Who's the guy? Are you going to unload on us with this? You've been teasing. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I draft this guy every year. He's a starting pitcher. Let's see if you guys can can guess who I'm talking about. He's a starting pitcher. Hmm. He's got great stuff that moves. Not a not a huge power fastball. He's moved over from the National League to the American League. The problem with him is his walk rate has just been god awful for years. So he he may give you an ERA just around four, but he's gonna walk probably five six guys a game, and it's just it's just god awful. But he's got good stuff. And every year I draft him, thinking this is the time. He'll go out and put out a, a great performance and then shit the bed two performances in a row. Um, this is not a super deep dive. It's a well-known guy, but he's just he just really hasn't been able to put it together, even though he, he'll give you 30 to 33 starts. Any idea who I may be talking about? So well, you said it's a, it's a guy that went from the American League to the National League. Without no, he went to the National League to the American Other League. Other way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, I'm really, really thinking here. Anybody? Hey, audience, do you know the answer? 10 and 11 last year. Mm. ERA of 3.81. Walk Ooh. rate of 4.28. Oh, wow. Uh, blue dips right around 260. Left on base percentage is pretty good. High 70s. He'll win you 10 games, but he'll also lose you 10 games. I'm talking about Julio Tehran. Oh. oh, wow. I never would have got that because I just never care about him ever. Yeah, this guy, every year, 
every year I draft this guy, and he will put together two or three really good starts, and then he will have a start that will just demoralize your whole week. <laughs> uh, I'm not telling other people to reach and go grab him, but he, he's always going to be available on the wire. Uh, he, he's always a good spot start if you can find the right matchup. Uh, everything this guy throws moves. He, he, he doesn't yeah. throw super hard. It's going to be high 80s, low 90s, but his slider moves, his – his change of moves, everything he has moves. Yeah. But the problem is the, the batters are too disciplined to to, ch- to chase him. So uh, he's a guy that maybe this is the year. I think he's thirty now. Uh, oh, he's still twenty nine years old. So he he's got wow. he's been up in the league a while. So it's like you got to believe the guy's figured it out by now. He he's averaged about one hundred and eighty innings over the last six years. Uh, I'll be taking a flyer on him again out there in uh, L. A. And uh, I'll be dropping him probably three weeks later. <laughs> that would yeah, be my I, guess too yeah and, and uh, he's sneak you know the, the thing about him is that everybody i think always expected he was going to grow into that number one or number two guy and it just kind of he's just kind of putzed around i mean the walk rate kills him everything does move but he has no command of it and you know if he gets that he, as he's a little bit older he could be a nice fit there you know i think the other thing is you know having madden out there madden's got a pretty notoriously long leash and i think he might let him try to work through some of that stuff again because they don't have a hell of a lot of options out in LA right now. You know, I mean, so I, I think that they might let him pitch through it. You know, he could give you some value, give you some strikeouts, especially at the end as well. Yeah, yeah like there's value somewhere in there. That was a great one, Deary. Well done. I I was not going to get that, and that was an excellent teaser. You gave us all the information, but I just never think about him because he's never on my radar ever. Um. I think that's uh, – Mike, uh, you got one more you want to give us and then we'll close this out? Yeah, I'm going to go this, do this one really fast. So uh, I, I can't stand the disrespect for Andrew McCutcheon. Ooh. It drives me crazy. I think um, I've been drafting him in a lot of leagues. I think he's healthy. He looks like he's in really good shape. He's going to be playing left field. He's going to be batting leadoff, it looks like, for the Phillies. Oh, that's what they're saying. Now, that could change. But in that lineup, he could score a ton of runs. I think the Phillies have a really good offense and uh, – He's going to be at the top of that. He's also hungry again. You know, he, in the, in spring training, he was, he was pretty bitter about people writing him off. Uh, the guy that I think, you know, back five years ago, we were looking at, Hey, this is a guy who could be 30, 30 and, you know, number two or three pick in a fantasy draft, right? Clearly not that anymore, but at age 33, he's far from done. And I think he could give you 20 plus home runs and, you know, double digit steals. Now, if you bear with me for 10 seconds, Last year, when he heard it, when he blew out his ACL, he had ten home runs in the first week of June already. I mean, so, and the and the Phillies were doing really well, if you remember, at that point when he blew out his ACL, and then the crap hit the fan and they they stunk. But, uh, you know, he's kind of the leader of that team, uh, besides you know having Bryce Harper there, obviously. But I, I think I think Kutch has still got some left in the tank, and I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. I think if you if you're taking him as your fourth or fifth outfielder, I think you're going to get some value. Yeah, I was just leaving Philly right before he tore his knee. I was in Philly for about five months last year, and people were really excited to have him there. And he was a big influence on the uh, squad. Unfortunately, it wasn't his fault. The hitting coach was a disaster. Gabe Kapler was a disaster. And Reese Hoskins, everybody got screwed up on that team. It all went to hell. So I'm sorry that you had to spend five months in Philadelphia. Ooh, it's getting controversial (laughs) here, folks. That actually yeah, answers. Go, go ahead, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, dear. 
Oh yeah, back to Kutch. I mean, you know, Mike said it perfectly. He he had a really nice April and May for for the Phillies. I mean, this guy was on pace. He had 60 games last year. He was on pace for about 25 home runs and 100 runs. And what he's been able to do his whole career is he's going to get on base. Uh, I'm not falling in love with McCutcheon, but Mike said it. If he's your fourth or fifth outfielder and he's going to score that many runs for the Phillies and just consistently get on base, I like it. And the fact that you're saying he's hungry, it's it's a Phillies team that I believe underachieved last year. And mm-hmm. in a short season, I, I think that value is definitely there. Maybe – Maybe in a 162-game season, the value might not be there with him 33 now and, you know, going through that ACL injury last year. But I I think I, I think he could be offering you some value as your fourth, fifth out. Yeah, trust me, you're not the only one who believes that the Phillies underachieved last year. They were <laughs> trash. That's why Kapler was fired, and now Joe Girardi's in charge. By the way, that actually answers a tweet we had from Marty Tallman, who said, who will be the best post-280P player amongst McCutcheon, C.J. Cron, Will Myers, and Yastrzemski. Do you like hmm. Mike? Do you like McCutcheon over Cron, Myers, and Yastrzemski? Um, I do actually. I think um, I, I think C.J. Cron might hit 25 home runs. Uh, he's going to have a lower average. I, I, you know, it's hard to say with him. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. I think the Tigers really going to run Miguel Cabrera out there a lot too. So it's hard to say how that's all going to pan out. Yastrzemski. Never hit that many home runs ever at any level of play in the minor leagues. He had 21, I think, last year. But with a low average, I think that's going to continue to plummet. I mean, I think he's going to hit maybe 235, 240. Um, and I, I really, of that group, uh, Will Myers, you know, I mean, where's he going to play? I mean, San Diego keeps screwing him up and putting it. Now he's a third baseman. Now he's a center fielder. You know, they just yeah. can't make up their mind what they're doing with him. I don't trust that anymore. I used to fall in love with the double-digit home run and steals kind of thing that he could provide, but the average would kill you, and his strikeout rate was way up last year. I think it's Kutch. Marty's a great dude. I, I think that's a great question, but I go with Kutch there. Yeah, Marty is a great dude. We had him on the podcast about a month ago. He's fantastic. Check him out on Twitter. He writes for Motor City Bengals. If you're a Tigers fan, check it out. You know, C.J. Crone might have hit 25 home runs, but he might only have like 49 RBIs because no one's going to be on base when he's up the bat. Oh, that's so sad. You know what he oh. needs? He needs Spencer Torkelson to the rescue. That's what he needs to get on base for him. And someday maybe that'll happen. But by the time Torque makes it to the Tigers, Cron, I like to call him Cron, be long gone. So in this era, I think home runs – are obviously dominant. We know that. But guys who get on base so that they can be driven in still matter. So I think you make a good point there, dear. Let's talk vultures. Vultures. Ah, ah. I don't know what a vulture sounds like. That's just like that. Fairly (laughs) similar, actually. I like that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, the Eagles of War on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Or what are are they called? (laughs) Uh, Birds of War. Birds of War. Yeah, Birds of War, right. yeah. Yeah. I did not think I would have a reference to that today, but that's great. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to take flight with the Birds of War. What's up, America?
great. Yeah, we love that show here. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk quickly. We're going to have a lot of bullpen issues in the season. If you already know bullpens have deteriorated. There's been a lot more opportunities for multiple people to be getting saves on certain teams. The amount of closers who are the closer and get the ball every second, third night, it's diminishing rapidly. So in the spirit of that, we are looking at save vultures, people who will be nipping at the heels of the supposed closer. And there's a whole bunch of them. So let's just pick a couple guys that we really like. Mr. Carter, why don't you give us somebody? I throw a caveat to what you said, Mike, though, too. I think the other thing is a lot of leagues this year are going with um, saves and holds together as a category. And so these guys that we're going to talk about will give you value either way, whether they get saves or not. I think getting holds and and controlling some ratios, I think it's really important. Uh, First one that I'd like to point out that it's kind of flying under the radar is Corey Neville from the Brewers. Um, Obviously, I know they have hater. Everybody's going to say that. uh, But they were talking about using him as a multi-inning weapon again last year, uh, for this year, I mean, I, I should say. Former Tiger, falters, too. Yep. And if he falters or if depending on how he's used, I mean, uh, Neville, you know, could be the guy that gets some saves there. And uh, he was the closer there before Hayter emerged and before he had the Tommy John surgery. So he's got the pedigree to be able to do it. So he could sneak in there and get you some. I completely agree. I would have put him – Really high on my list because he was their stud once upon a time, and now he'll just be in the mix with Hader. And the leverage situations will be very crucial. How he gets used, high leverage could be Josh Hader. And Josh Hader, at certain points of last year, was used in multi-inning rules, in seventh, eighth-inning high-leverage situations, and that could benefit mm-hmm. Mr. Canable. Yeah. What about you, Deary? Who's on uh, your mind? Who could vulture in? I'm going to go with someone who, you know, he's not going to be a secret this year, but last year I grabbed him in a league where I have saves and holds, and, and he was an absolute stud. Ended up being a top 40 player, and that's Ryan Presley with the Astros. Mm-hmm. You know, 11.93K per nine last year. Doesn't walk anybody. Uh, doesn't give up home runs. Leaves guys on base. Uh, you know, you pair him with Osuna. I had Osuna as well last year, and it was just studly at the end where I was getting, you know, a save and a hold out of those guys, sometimes multiple ones in a week. And uh, they were doing it last year where, where Presley was, you know, going in for the ninth if Osuna had gone a couple days in a row. And I think it's a, a, a real nice leverage that the Astros have, having both those guys at the end that can strike a ton of guys out, leave guys on base. And, you know, say what you want about the Astros, but they're still a solid team and they're going to be winning games. So I, I like Brian Presley. Yeah, and the banging of the garbage cans doesn't affect the pitching at all. So <laughs> uh, I think that's a good one, Chris. <laughs> absolutely presley's hot he's a big time name uh how about one or two more mike who you got i have an unhealthy crush on emilio pagan oh uh, yes Diego. um you know he got he got traded there in that tommy fam deal which was kind of a strange deal but i think you know he's he's a guy that was going to close in tampa i think but who knows with the way tampa runs their pitching right but his arsenal is really nasty now obviously he's stuck behind yates in san diego but if san diego does not contend which they should not i don't think and they decide to trade Yates if there's even a trade deadline this year. Really? You don't think they'll contend? I don't. I just don't see it. I don't. I, I mean, I guess they could. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little suspect on their pitching still. I, I know that a lot of people are really high on their starting pitching, but I, I'd like to see it again. I'd like to see Paddock do it again. Uh, I'd like to see Lamette do it again. You know, I think that there's still some questions there. Who knows? I mean, in that division, it's, it is pretty wide open, but the Dodgers look like they're going to be really good. And, I really do think the Diamondbacks improved too. So they've got kind of an uphill climb. 
granted, if they, you know, make, make the playoffs, everybody makes it, you know, like the hockey league, um, you know, then maybe they'll make it in there. But if, if they end up trading Yates was my point, then I think Pagan actually becomes their closer. He had 20 saves last year for Tampa. Uh, his stuff is really lights out. Yeah, Yates is 33 years old, too. Uh, he could be on the move as trade bait, depending if there's a trade deadline. However that works, we have no idea. I only challenge what you said, Mike, because with the shortened season, it could be a boon for teams to eat, maybe go for it more. The Padres were already trying to get better and go for it, but maybe they bring up Mackenzie Gore even sooner than they planned. You know, things could change. I'd, just something to think about beyond uh, the regular baseball season, since we're in this weird, fantastical, bizarro year. Uh, Gary, what about you? Give me another player. Give me another vulture who's coming in. Yeah, so I'm going to go over to, you know, the World Series champs here. If Sean Doolittle cannot, you know, shut down games, his ERA was over four last year. I, th I think the Nationals made a really sneaky signing in the offseason with Will Harris. So Will mm -hmm. Harris is coming over from the Astros. Like Doolittle, he's a guy who's, you know, 34, 35 years old. He's getting up there. But this guy's been consistently solid for the Astros for the last three, four years. ERA of 1.50 last year, which was incredible. Um, does not give up home runs at all. Uh, when he comes into games, let's say Doolittle, you know, comes in, walks the first two guys, and there's two guys on. No problem putting Harrison to get out of that. It's 88.2% left on base percentage last year. I hope he's still got something left in that arm now that he is 35 years old. But, uh, you know, I think he's someone who could be dependable. Uh, he's a veteran. I don't know if the Nationals go with some of their younger guys out there uh, to replace Doolittle, but I, I think Harris is a guy, especially if you are in a league where, where there's holds as well as saves, he's going to give you some holds out there in, uh, in, uh, in Washington. So I, I think Will Harris was a nice signing by, by the, uh, the Nationals. Will he get over that home run he gave up? He did cost them, if you want to argue the point, the World Series in Game 7. But I'm sure – if Washington's the team that hit it off of him and then signed him, what better way to move forward than be with a team that burned you? That's going to be a good feeling for <laughs> Mr. Harris. So there are going to be a ton of opportunities for save vulturing all across the league. I, by the way, I, I do love Pagan a lot. He burned me last year, but I think that was just part of a maturation process for him. He had a bad stretch in August when they really needed a closer to step up because Castillo had been out. Alvarado was a mess. And I think, that hopefully now Pagan will rise. I bet in 2021, Pagan is their closer. I, I feel I very you're probably right. Yep. I yep. think it's a really good call. Okay. So, wow. So we got save vultures. We've got deals. Bleon. Beyond. I think, I think I said Bleon. Bleon. This is the Hey, it's the Rico Palazzo baseball podcast. If you like what you've heard, you got any comments, you want to challenge Mike Carter, you want to challenge Chris Deary, you think you know more than they do? Then write us. Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's at ProtonMail.com or tweet at us. We're going to close out the show with a little shine or ride the pine, which is a quick hitter speed round where you say you're in or out on projections that I will throw at you guys. But first, let's talk quickly about some tweets that were thrown at us. And I got to ask you, Mike, this is a good question too. Mm -hmm. Which do you prefer? Giordano's? Lumalnati's or Cipriani's pizza? Ooh. So being that I'm a native Southsiders, uh, Southsider, somebody who asked that question must know that I'm from the Southsider to bring in Cipriani's. Cipriani's is on 63rd Street. Great pizza. I would prefer them of the three, but my all-time favorite is Vito and Nick's on 84th and Pulaski. 
Uh, I don't really get into the deep dish so much. I think that's more of a suburban thing. Um, city oh. people eat the thin crust, but uh, Cipriani's is the way to go. Whoever's, whoever asked that question uh, really knows what they're talking about, about pizza. <laughs> yeah, it was a very detailed question. That was from the Open Bar podcast. Check oh, it out. yeah, those guys are awesome. That's great. They are awesome. And I don't know if they are from Chicago or not, but they definitely know what they're talking about. So excellent question, guys. Thanks for checking in. Uh, we also have one from our, our good friend, one of the nicest dudes around, Mr. Doug Ishikawa. He says, mm. does the doctor like to draft anybody off the White Sox roster? And if so, who has the highest upside? Anybody off the White Sox roster? Huh? Well, he says, who would you like, who would you draft first off the roster? I guess that's more specific. Hmm. Well, I think this is a loaded question because these guys all got on me for taking Eloy Jimenez so high in the, in the fan tracks draft. But uh, <laughs> I think, I think given my, given my choices, um, I'd probably take Moncada first. I think, um, I think he's really just kind of getting to his prime. I mean, he had a great year last year. Uh, he was much more aggressive in the in the batter's box than he had been prior. He took a lot of called third strikes the year before and really was a, a, a tough tough time for him. But like I said before, growth is never linear. And I think this is a guy that once he puts it all together is a cornerstone of that rebuild for them. You know, 25 home runs, 10, 12 steals a year, you know, hit 290, 300. And he actually played pretty good defense at third base last year too. He's much better at third base than second base. I love the guy, and I hope he's a superstar. Man, if Mankata puts it all together, he could be one of the best players in baseball. He really could. He has all those tools. He's that phenomenal. Is the, that's the upside of this guy. I, I think if we're talking Mankata versus Jimenez, I'll take Mankata all day. I do think you reached on Jimenez in that draft. Nothing personal. I respect you, and I like you. But Eloy Jimenez, he might not even bat in the top six. I've got concerns about that. I'm a little worried about his development and he's good player. He's going to be offering power, but I just think what he offers can be attained later. Agreed. And I think that that's a really interesting point. If you think about what he did last year, with 31 home runs and a little more than half of a season. Um, and he doesn't really know what he's doing yet. I mean, I, I think this guy is the guy uh, he's not going to give you steals, but he's also got a really good hit to him. Mike, I think, he's going to hit 40 home runs. And I think he's also going to hit 280, 290, which I think gives him a little wow. bit more value than guys mm -hmm. that are going to hit maybe 25 or 30 home runs and hit 220, you know, but I, it's just a hunch. I don't have any solid evidence as to why I feel that way. I just, his hit tool is, <laughs> his hit tool is a lot better than people think it is. I think. How, how dare you? You can't do that. <laughs> you can't just say something with your gut. That is not allowed in fantasy baseball. Don't you ever do that unless you have oh. data and facts to support it. Everybody loves the data, but sometimes you got to go on gut, right? All right. So that covers our tweets. And now we can close the show with Shine or Ride the Pine. It's time to get wild. It's time to go through a speed round. It's real simple. We're going to base this off of 81-game projection. 81-game projection, okay? Make sure. It's very important that you remember that. Do you think this will happen or do you not think this will happen? Will they shine or is this person and their statistics destined to ride the pine. So that's what I'm going to ask both of you. We just say yay or nay. You can throw in a quick comment if you want, but let's keep it tidy and neat, okay? Here we go. Luis Robert, 17 stolen bases. Mike. Yes. Dearie. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Ooh, 
Ooh, all right. I like. We got divisiveness already. Great. It's Pete Alonso. It's gonna take him a little bit to figure out a uh, major league catcher's throwing him out. Hmm. All right. Pete Alonso, twenty-two home runs in eighty-one games. Yes. Ooh. I'll agree with Mike. Yeah, he'll do it again. Wow. Okay. People on board. Luis Castillo, ten wins. Luis Castillo, can he get ten wins in eighty-one games? No. God, that's a real nice number, but I say he wins eight. Okay, yeah, that could go either way. This one's interesting. Gary Sanchez. Now, remember, it's a shorter season. 265 average. No, absolutely not. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'd say absolutely not as well. He's going to come out and just try to try to bash the ball out of the park again. And he goes through those streaks where he'll get, like, three hits in two weeks, and they'll all be home runs. So I refuse, I refuse to own him. I refuse. Oh, wow, wow. This is a – wow. Okay, well, I, I know talk- it's just a pr- gut. It's a it's gut again, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I have no reason but to really feel that way. Podcast, we go all gut. <laughs> that's, that's well, I got a hu- I got a huge gut, so I got to use it all the time. Perfect, you'll fit right in, Mike. Mm. Tim Anderson, here we go, Mr. Carter. Tim Anderson, three hundred average. No way. Wow. I'm gonna say he does it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, People, he says he figured something out last year. You don't believe that, huh, Mike? I think his play discipline is so awful, I don't see him hitting 300 again. Maybe he does, yeah. 280, that would be fine with me, but 300 is going to be hard. Okay, fair enough. Uh, David Dahl, will he play 70 games? Um, no chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy can't stay healthy. Uh, 70 games, no. <laughs> I, it's too bad, too, because he's so talented. He's so good. He just cannot stay healthy. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Great. That's uh, that's fascinating. Okay. Let's, <laughs> that was a great response. Uh, Kenta Maeda, ninety-six strikeouts, ninety-six Ks. I would say no. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like Kenta Maeda. That's that's a lot of Ks for a guy that doesn't doesn't really strike out a ton of guys, and see him going deep into games either. So I'll say no. He also struck out a lot of pitchers in the National League, too. So <laughs> you know, now now that he's going into the American League and there's DHs, and I mean, there is in the NL this year, too, obviously, but I think that's going to hurt those paid numbers. Okay. If he if it's a shortened season, of course, but if he pitches or starts 16 games and goes six innings on average, that would be 96 innings. So we're trying to find a happy medium. That's a tough spot to get in. I understand. Uh, here's what. How about Justin Upton? Will he have a K percentage of – Below 28%. No. Wow. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Hey! He's going to be batting with a lot of guys on base, and he's going to be trying to move them around and uh, knock him in for sacrifices. So I say he goes around 26%. You guys, okay. are just, you guys just remember when he was on the Tigers. That's all. <laughs> that was like it never happened, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Did that did that happen? God, so bizarre. It was it was quick. <laughs> now at that point is when they should have been rebuilding and they were still going for it. <laughs> ah, oh, so true, dear. You're so wise. That is damn. Ah, oh, so true. How about Kenley Jansen? Did some work in the offseason at Driveline. Will he have a K nine of eleven or higher? No. And by the end of the year, he won't be their closer either. Mm. Agreed. Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm totally against what you guys said there. Uh, Marcel Ozuna, 65 RBI. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I would say no. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm going to lean towards no as well, but he's going to have a real good shot at it betting fourth in that lineup. Yeah, that's true. That's damn true. Well said, Deary. Carlos Carrasco, 93 innings pitched. Boy, as much as I would love to see this happen, I don't see it. No faith, huh? I, I love the guy. I mean, I think he's such a warrior. What he went through last year and to come back and finish strong. I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like he's in the decline a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go with no as well. Yeah, maybe that was a little too hard. That's a tough call. Uh, how about Will Smith? Not the closer, the catcher. 20 home runs. Will Smith, 20 home runs in 81 games. I will say yes. Wow. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no, but uh, he's a guy that I really really like, uh, so so I'm rooting for him. But I'm gonna say no. I think he's a top five catcher this year, guys. Okay, there it is I'm, on the record. You are I, on I, the record. I, I drafted him with my gut and the top five <laughs> catchers for sure. Gut's <laughs> making a lot of decisions. Oh, it's it, yeah. It, I'm, uh, it might really cost me, guys. I was just gonna say the gut is in control for Mr. <laughs> Carter. Herman Marquez. Home ERA, home ERA under four. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent, no chance. I I love Herman Marquez. I think his ERA might be around two on the road, but yeah, at home under four. I mean, you, I think you'd be happy with four. So uh, I'll say it's going to be more than that. Now, one thing you got to consider with that though, too, is that he's not going to have that many innings at home. So maybe the ERA would be lower, right? Because an 81 game season, he's not going to have as many starts in Colorado as what he's had in the past. This is why you guys get asked the tough so questions. Would, you got to take all that into account. I'm going to change my answer and I'm going to say yes. Oh, look at that. A reconsider. That's our first. We've never had a reconsideration and changed answer on Shine or Ride the Pine. Congratulations, well, I, Mike. I'm in, I'm in, you know, existential crisis every day of my life. So I, I change my mind pretty frequently. So. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> How about Scott Kingery? 12 steals. Last year he had 15 for the season. 12 steals. I'm all in on Scott Kingery. That would be I agree. I think, I think this is his breakout year. I really loved him a couple of years ago. Got a full season last year. I, I think uh, 12 stolen bases is doable. Mr. Kingery. Hmm. Okay. And then lastly, Mike Fultonavich. Will he have a 360 ERA or below? 360 or below ERA? No, he's going to be above 3.6. He's still shell-shocked from what happened to him in the playoffs, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. He won't do it. <laughs> I'm, well, not, I'm well, not a big Fulton-Avich guy either. Okay, well, this is a guy who's had an ERA under three in a, mostly a full season's work just a couple years ago. So just something to consider. Yeah. But that's, what, that's why we ask you guys these questions. That was Shine or Ride the Pine. Hopefully all those guys get to shine. We don't want anybody to ride the pine, but the harsh reality of baseball is it will humble you quickly. Well, we did it, guys. We made it to the end of the show. It is over. We're in the bag, as they say. Mr. Carter, will you please say farewell? Please tell everybody how they can find you because I think you've said some things that have really caught people's ears. Well, thank you guys first for having me. It was a blast. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And Anytime I get to spend an hour on my front porch away from my family is a win during quarantine. So thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MDRC0508. I am not a doctor, even though some people think that I am on Twitter. I'm the <laughs> special ed principal, as I talked about before, but uh, I'm there. And 
I uh, love talking about this stuff. And thank you guys again for the opportunity to be on with you guys today. It was a great time. Yeah, really enjoyed it, Mike. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll have you on again soon. As always, me and Deary are here holding it down for the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast. Email us if you heard something today that you found fascinating or controversial. Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's at ProtonMail.com. See ya. I know.